Praise the Lord. You are listening to the broadcast of True Bible Mission for Jesus Church, located at 6010 West Mill Road, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the pastor is Pete Lane Continue our discussions of current events and scriptures. Praise the Lord. So we're in that season now where everybody's supposed to be jolly. <laughs> and unfortunately, people start spending money. And so someone sent me this article some time ago, a while back. Why is it unfortunate that people are spending money? Because they get into debt. Oh, okay. That's what All the right. problem is. Okay. It's unfortunate because they spend way too much. So this article that someone sent me said, help, I'm feeling stressed about finances. And so, you know, Christians struggle with money just like any other, you know, whether they're saved or unsaved. And some live paycheck to paycheck. Some are deep in debt. And even Christians who are affluent by global standards have trouble with the household budget making ends meet because the more you make, the more you spend. Right, you live up to your and paycheck. You, and you feel like, oh, I got money, I can spend it, I don't have to worry about it. Right, that's what someone was telling me about people who are making millions. And I said, yes, but they're in debt by millions. I said, because you have a tendency to spend up to what you earn. You know, it's rare that the person who earns in the millions still live a conservative life. That's very, very rare, you know? And then you find people who, when they reach a certain pinnacle, common sense sets in, like with Gates, when they, they pull back, you know? And, uh, and with uh, Buffett, you know, they start to pull back, but they can because they've got all their money. I mean, they can live off the interest, off of their interest, and still feel no pain. But usually, if you're a millionaire, then you're living up to millionaire status. You know, you're not, you're not driving a Prius. <laughs> You're driving something other than that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, there are family commitments, there's house repairs, retirements. I don't know. This article includes fundraisers. I don't know why. But, you know, you've got commitments to yourself. You've got commitments to the house. You've got commitments to your children. You've got commitments, uh, pers uh, financial commitments. Mm -hmm. you know, and all around us, there are sites and sermons that make it sound like God is waiting to do X, Y, or Z, you know, like I flipped on a station early in the morning and it said, you know, for your seed of $58 a month, God's going to bless you. Which is so silly. So, you know, add to that your doubts and insecurities about how you handle relationships, responsibilities, priorities, and all that adds to your financial consequences. And so... Uh, what can Christians take away from all of this? It says this article, so convinced that transforming, liberating truths of vocation and calling can have a deep impact on the Christian family, the people that wrote this article uh, show how these doctrines help to generate healthier and happier families. Doctrines? <laughs> hmm? Yeah. 
scriptures? What, what doctrines have they come up with? So they're talking about blessed are the poor. Contrary to the prosperity gospel, having plenty of money is not a sign of God's favor. It's not a sign of his disfavor either. I mean, I, I think a lot of people, when they quote this scripture, blessed are the poor, the Lord used the natural poor as a visible example. But the poor he's really talking about are the poor spirit. He's talking about people who are, who are humble, who are poor spirit. But our, our example that he gives us so that we recognize it physically are the people without money because they're people who are poor financially. They'll cut your throat. So it's not so much the physical poor he's talking about. He's talking about the spiritual poor. Okay. So they also quote Luke chapter 6, verse 20, 24. Woe to those who are rich because you've received your your reward. Yeah, but he means the woe to those who are rich in the sense those who trust in their riches. Because there were plenty of rich people who converted. And the Lord didn't tell them to sell out their riches. The only one that he told to sell out his riches was the one that was dependent upon his riches. The one that he said, sell all that you have and come join me. And he was very sorrowful because he had a lot. He was very, very rich. And so people get this idea that you're not supposed to be rich. And that's not so because God will cause the person well, to prosper. This, so going on in this article, it says, in other words, being rich can make it harder to enter the kingdom of God. Yes, of course, you put your trust in riches. Faith can be misplaced onto money. Wealth can contribute to idolizing ourselves and our efforts. Even the non-wealthy face these temptations. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Mm -hmm. That's when you love money. And it's through this craving for money that some have wandered away from the faith. Right, it's, it's, a, it's what money can do. It's, it's, it's what money can, can do because money answers uh, purposes as far as the natural. So people whose whose heart and whose goals and all their uh, aspirations are centered in this world, they will have a tendency to idolize money because money makes this world system go right. And if that's where your heart is, that's what you'll worship. That's what you'll love. So it goes on to say that uh, meanwhile, God pays special attention to the poor. The Heavenly Father sent his Son into the flesh to preach to the poor. For our sake, Jesus became poor himself, leaving every entitlement for us so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. According to 2 Corinthians 8, 9. I don't know exactly what the person means by that. Uh, I don't I don't know if they're saying by Jesus having a natural poverty you become rich spiritually. I don't I don't know exactly how the person is interpreting that. But the Lord basically is saying that He supplies all our needs. And so we don't have to put our trust in silver or in gold. Yes, the verse from Second Corinthians eight and nine states for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Yeah, but I, but he's talking spiritual. I, th I think people are saying that he's talking natural, but I believe he's talking spiritual. He, like through his poverty, like he humbled himself. 
he made himself of no reputation so that he could become our example. Because he, he's telling us that he will supply our need. They had, they had no want of anything. He had a treasure. He had, he had, they had money. When they needed money, he would just say, go, go open the mouth from the fish, take the corn out, go pay the taxes, or whatever. He's talking this on a spiritual level. So if people think that if they divest themselves uh, all worldly goods, somehow that equals to salvation, that's not true. Then they're being misled. The article goes on and it says, in the early church, some Christians took these teachings so literally that they practiced voluntary poverty as a spiritual discipline. Some would fast and give their money, give the money they saved to the poor. Others would live radically simple lifestyles in order to get on the smallest amount of money possible. Regretfully, a practice to emphasize charity and our continual dependence upon God became twisted. Right. That's what I'm saying. So when they read poverty, when we became poor, poor in spirit. Ages, vows of poverty became a required tool to emphasize so-called good works and elevate some over others. As Martin Luther reformed, he, he re-examined poverty. He reconsidered what God calls Christians to do. In light of the of scripture and the good news of free, undeserved salvation by Jesus Christ, preaching began to re-emphasize that Christians live out faith to God when within callings or our vocations, in family, in church, or in civil society. God established a beautiful, blessed system of giving and receiving in this world, emanating from his world, word. Spouses love and serve one another. Parents provide for children until children, too, provide for others, even their parents. Neighbors love neighbors. Employers are to benefit employees and vice versa. Within this vocational give and take, we are free to love and serve our neighbors, carrying our crosses and sharing their burdens. And Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Right. And here's the thing. We recognize that there's a natural poverty. So now, and in this sense, Paul was saying, we are helpers one of another. When we see that Saints are in need. We're supposed to minister to the need if we have the ability of our brother in, in the Lord. And he was, then he gave the example of Jesus who, who in his hope in his in the in the in his authority as being uh, the Lord could have come down in worldly riches in the sense that he could have come down. As somebody who had great worldly wealth, but he was trying to get people to see that the true wealth, true riches, is in holiness. True riches. Natural riches, he's saying, we who are able to bear, like the infirmity of the weak, we who are able to take up the slack, that's what we're supposed to do. Because Jesus gave the example not just naturally, he also gave it spiritually, but he was emphasizing it's the spiritual that we're supposed to be pressing for it. Because if we do, we automatically will take care of people in the natural. So if I am rich naturally so, but I am rich toward God spiritually so, if I see my brother in need, I'm, I'm going to automatically give him my natural. It's going to be just mm -hmm. automatic. Mm -hmm. So the article says a positive 
side is that no matter how much or how little we have, we are freed to acknowledge that we are not the source of daily bread at all. Right. God, God is. And therefore, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry if we give the money, they will run out. We don't have to worry that if we don't have the money, we won't get any uh, support. We don't have to worry about that because the Lord is going to supply our needs. And the thing is, the weight is on the Lord. That's, that seems to be the hardest part. You know, God is the provider. Right. Everything that we have. Everything right. that we need. Right. Um, you know, so most of us are not poor in an extreme sense. We are more likely financially stretched and internally conflicted. Rather, the financially poor, we are worried and overwhelmed. But I think that's because of what we do with our money. You know? Yeah. Or sometimes we don't have it. I mean, sometimes we really don't have the means uh, it at that moment to make ends meet and, and the Lord has to undertake and make a way for us out of nowhere. You know, the Lord has to do that. And that's why Paul said how he robbed from the rich he talked about he's talking natural. He robbed from the rich churches to give to the poor churches. But that's that's supposed to be regardless. Those who are able are supposed to take up the slack. I guess the whole idea is that we're supposed to depend on God for whatever we need. Right. If you make mistakes and buy things that you're not supposed to or overspend or, or use your credit, you know, because that's not wisdom. Using right. cards so you can't and, pay them. And people live paycheck to paycheck. People buy on impulse. There's some people who, they have to, if they have cash in their pocket, they will spend it. Whether they need it or not, they, they just cannot hold on to money. I don't know, sometimes using credit cards isn't always because of impulsive spending. I think if you're in a situation where you can't afford things and you happen to have a credit card and you use it, you know, for groceries or for car repairs. If you use it wisely and make your payments, I don't see anything wrong with it. But if it's above and beyond what you can afford to pay, that's, when, back, you, that's right. when you get into trouble. Right, that's what it would be with anything. Whether you buy a house and the mortgage is too much for you, you buy a car, car note's too much for you, you buy clothes and the expense is too much for you, try to keep up with appearances and it's just too much. You know, you, the Lord said you have to be careful uh, in all things. And so we, we have to realize I can only go this far and I can't go further. That, that means that you, you discipline yourself, but that's in the natural. So when, when we look to the Lord to undertake us to teach us, not just spiritual, the Lord also teaches us natural, but I'm telling you, there are, there are people who actually, you know, we talk about the saints, who actually cannot hold on to money, hold on uh, uh, control their finances. They live right up to their paycheck. That's why a lot of people, uh, even in the world, or some people who have won the lottery, they found that they, they, they haven't gotten any better. They actually spend up to whatever it is that they want, and they find themselves back in poverty or back in, in, in an income level that they thought they had escaped out of. So we have to we have to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways and let the Lord direct our path. And that goes for um, spending on gifts and Christmas. And yeah, I just think that's what's that. It's so commercial. Right, it's so disgusting on a holiday. Uh, you know, it's just, and, and when you ask children, they don't think in terms of when Jesus was born. They think in terms of presents. Mm -hmm. 
Just say we went with Passover. They don't think in terms of the Lord dying on the cross. They think in terms of Easter eggs and, and Easter bunnies and chocolate candies. You know, it's just like the spiritual meaning behind things. That's understand the world being deceived in it, but not the church. The church shouldn't be deceived in it. I know churches have Easter egg hunts. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. I, because we have to remember the Lord's death. You know, we're looking at, at the sacrifice that he made, the suffering that he went through, you know, the fact that he, he, he took our place, the fact that he gave us salvation, the fact that he was faithful even until the end. That's what we should be teaching our children so that they grow up with a sense of commitment, you know, uh, responsibility to know what it is to, to sacrifice, to hold on to to their word, regardless. If we could teach them that, if they can get that type of message out of, out of Passover, or the fact that a child is, is born, that life is, is precious, and that it, it, even under the most dire circumstances, there's hope. If they can get that out of it, yeah, that other than, what did you get me for, for Christmas? Well, I, or, I didn't want that. The other thing is, too, I think people... Um, Keep trying to keep up with other people. Right. They lose the spiritual meaning behind it. Right. But if they could just, if it's even with an adult, if somebody could say, look, this, if you're going to celebrate Christ's birthday, what are you bringing to the Lord? If they could just reverse it so that people see, what am I giving to the Lord? This is his birthday. What birthday do you know of where it's your birthday? You're, you're giving uh, the guests gifts, and you get nothing. That, that doesn't make any sense. If they could teach the children to do the opposite, but they don't, because it's such a secular, pagan holiday. Yeah, and they teach Santa Claus, and, right. and oh, write letters to Santa, or oh, you got to be good, because Santa knows, and right. he hears, like he's just a big old natural person, but right. it's all fake. Right, and they're not teaching them the the right concept. You know that, that well, they the concept I think is parallels the Lord. You know mm -hmm. that, that. Except for it doesn't give anything spiritual. It parallels gifts, but not spiritual gifts. You know, if they could, if they could, if the church, I can see the world doing it. I actually can, because they're the world. But the church should not be buying into it. That's what bothers me. The church should be teaching this so that they instill in the children a sense of reverence, a sense of awe, you know, to think that someone would do this for me. If they could just get that across to them. I think we have more responsible uh, adults, young adults. We have more responsible children. We have children who are somehow invested with the idea of what it means to sacrifice. And they won't get sucked into all this pagan stuff with the Santa Claus, the Easter, and these all these. Or that you have to buy the latest, one of the most expensive gifts in order for a person to appreciate you giving them something, which is crazy. Well, there are people who, like I was going to say, people who get a gift, and it might be very expensive, and you feel compelled to give a gift equal to that, to back to that same person, even though you can't afford to do that. Yeah, we should have some backbone. I'd be mighty disappointed. I tell people in a minute, I don't give gifts. You know, so you know, don't have to give me a gift but because you, I'm definitely not going to do it. No matter what, you get into debt, God still supplies your needs. Yes. And he will he will make a way. He has a plan to get you out of debt. He 
your path. He'll show you and teach you how to how to manage your money, how to get out of debt, how to how to clean up. He'll help you get clean up the mess that you made. And also, I think the rule of thumb when it comes to managing money and spending, I think, like, just because you have it, don't mean you should spend it. You know, and that all comes with God, with godly wisdom and stuff like. Like just because you can, don't mean you should. Right, and, and a lot of people I've discovered, they just they do. It's almost like if they don't spend it, they feel like they're they're missing out. And then when you when you tell them or you try to give them advice or budget, they don't want to hear it. But if they get themselves in trouble, they want someone to help bail them out of it. Yeah, they think being uh, frugal is so boring and unattractive, but and think spending is just so right. You know, they have the nerve to tell a person, somebody they call me cheap. Oh. <laughs> I've been called that more than once. You know, but like I told the individual, you know, I said, how do you think you're able to borrow money? How do you think you're able to come to me to borrow the money? How am I able to give you the money that you need to borrow, except that I saved it? You know, and so it's it's like the, the the Lord puts us as stewards over what He has blessed us with, just like the earth. God blessed us to be stewards over the earth, and and man is destroying it. In the scriptures, they have to give an account for that, because the Lord even made mention of how man is uh, abusing the earth, and they, and even with something uh, that seems so remote to most people, we as a people have to give an account to what we're doing with what God has given us. Well, I just want people to know that you know, use wisdom this season, extremely acknowledge the Lord, and if you get way deep in debt, you have no choice but to acknowledge the Lord, because that's where your help is going to come from. It's not going to come from a financial advisor, or from the bank, or from another credit card, or um, your help comes from the Lord. No matter what happens to you, no matter how much you spend, no matter what stage in your life you're at, you know, your help comes from the Lord. He made a promise to you that he would be there for you, he would help you, he would always take care of you. I mean, I know that people make mistakes. I know that, you know, you just sometimes don't do exactly right. Not sinning, I'm just saying, sometimes. As far as your budget. Right. But he can pull you out of it. Now, you can probably, uh, you'll get his help. It might take a long time. I remember this reading a book about this woman, and she um, just spent and, and went from paycheck to paycheck and, and went on her merry little way, and she had mountains of debt. And it took her 13 years to get out of debt, but she did it, and she... What happened is she, she acknowledged the Lord, she got on her knees, and she repented, and she, she asked the Lord for help, and now she's got a beautiful business based on being a cheapskate. Right. It, it, it is amazing how people will say uh, how cheap a person is, because they feel like you have it, you should spend it. Yeah, because that's glorified in pop culture and rap. You see the, you see the excess, you see the cars, the clothes, the houses. And most of these are the things that Gentiles seek after. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Psalm 119 and 105. 
thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now ain't God all right? God's all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, what did the Lord say a wicked ruler over poor people is like? The answer is a roaring lion and a raging bear. And that answer can be found in Proverbs verse chapter 28, verse 15. As a roaring lion and a raging, raging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor people. This week's food for thought is, why should we give thanks to the Lord? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.